Peace, peace. We are back once again with Masterminds with Brother Shem L. I am your host, Brother Shem L. And I'm happy to be back. We're back with another great episode. Uh, I hope you will all enjoy this one. Um, Before we get into the topic, as usual, I want to give a shout out, give honors to uh, all of you who have been supporting my podcast, supporting this podcast um, throughout and continue um, honors and salute to all new listeners, those who have um, just come across this and are um, basically enjoying the content. I definitely appreciate all of the great feedback I received. Um, The last one, uh, Adan Mashish Kumi um, has definitely received a lot of great feedback, um, listenership. Um, So once again, as always, I'm grateful. I want to take time to, uh, I like to give, take time at times to give honors to particular people, um, people who I have known for some time and new people who I've met along the way. Um, so I want to take this special time to give a shout out and honors to uh, Brother Laos Bay. Um, brother Laos Bay, he, I got a chance to meet this brother. Um, I, it was brought to my attention that he was listening to the podcast. He has been um, checking out um, the content that has been um, put forth by the Moore Science Temple of America in Durham. He's been enjoying the content, been sharing the content, been an avid supporter, and I had the honor and pleasure of meeting him in person um, yesterday. And it was a pleasure talking to him, and I was uh, happy to hear uh, from him, you know, just how much this podcast um, has helped him. So um, I'm definitely grateful, you know, praise Allah. So just give gratitude always. So um, shout out to you, brother. Um, With that, I'm going to go into the topic. Oh, also, as always, for those who uh, want to check out more of this info and check out my books, you can go to my website, shemel.com. That's S-H-E-M hyphen E-L dot com. S-H-E-M hyphen E-L dot com. You can get podcasts. You can listen to the podcast on that website. You can check out my products, my books. Um, you get access to videos as well and content. Um, and basically, let me know what you think. Um, the online course has not fully been launched yet. It's been put on hold, but you know, if the people are wanting it, you know, let it be known and uh, I will definitely get busy. But for right now, I've um, kind of put it on a, a basic hold just to focus on these podcasts because I'm receiving such great feedback on that. And um, if there's a demand for the online course, I will make that happen as well. So without further ado, I'm going to get into the topic and we're going to 
talk about the what has been known and described in many religions, particularly in Christianity, as the Holy Trinity. Um, you probably have heard, I know you have heard, if you've been listening to all of my podcast episodes, me speak about the law of three, and I've gone into it, I've touched on it, but in this particular podcast, I'm going to focus it from the perspective of the Holy Trinity. I'm going to go into that and touch on some things and still bring into the parallels of everything else because in basis to the law of correspondence is mentioned in the book of, uh, known as the Kabbalion, uh, all of this relates. There's a relationship between all of this when you deal, when you dive into the law of three um, as it pertains to that. So what I would like first to do is read. I'll be reading from several chapters or a couple of chapters from the circle seven, but I'm going to start first with chapter 10, chapter 10 of the circle seven, and I'm going to start with verse 13. And the title of this chapter, by the way, is Jesus spake on the unity of Allah and man to the Hindus. And it goes as follows. All people worship Allah the one, but all the people see him not alike. This universal Allah is wisdom, will, and love. All men see not the triune Allah. One sees him as Allah of might, another as Allah of thought, another as a law of love. A man's ideal is his God, and so, as man unfolds, his God unfolds. Man's God today, tomorrow is not God. The nations of the earth see a law from different points of view, and so he does not see the same, or he does not seem the same to everyone. Man names the part of Allah he sees. To this and this, to him, is all of Allah. Let me repeat that. Man names the part of Allah he sees, and this to him is all of Allah. And every nation sees a part of Allah, and every nation has a name for Allah. You Brahmins call him Parabrahm. In Egypt, he is Thoth. And Zeus is his name in Greece. Jehovah is his Hebrew name, but everywhere he is the causeless cause, the rootless root from which all things have grown. And I will stop there. So here it speaks about the triune, and I've spoken about the triune before. Now, the triune concept that deals with the law of three is a higher esoteric concept which Christians have taken from and, and I'm just using that um, broadly because there's more to it than that you know it's, it's a broad statement but to be broad with it 
Christianity, the religion of Christianity has taken that concept and, for lack of a better word, watered it down into the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. However, even within the Holy Trinity, there is a deeper meaning within the concepts of what they call today the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I'll get into that. First and foremost, um, it needs to be, and I'll be referring to um, some sections of the book Bible Mysteries Revealed by Johann Wein, as I mentioned in the previous uh, episode, I spoke about this book. Um, there's a lot of um, members in the in the Moorish um, movement um, who know about this book. So I'll speak on it. Okay, you have to understand that with concept of God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Ghost this concept with Jesus actually there's an earlier account of this that goes back to ancient Kemet which you call it Egypt today and that is with basically with Horus or Heru so in that particular situation you have the father would be Osiris or Asaru Asar the son of course is Heru or Horus and then you have the mother which is Isis or Aset now this is key because with Trinity they give you a definition of Trinity being father Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but it's really Father, Mother, Son, Man, Woman, Child. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, they use, has been wrongly used in place of the Mother. And to prove that, everyone knows when you look into history of Christianity, the first um, institutionalized church. Is an institution, not just a church as a gathering of people worshiping, but as an institution, is the Roman Catholic Church. They still use the original concept of the Trinity as Father, Mother, Son, because they speak about the Holy Virgin Mary. You know, you may have heard those um, sayings, Hail Mary, full of grace, right? They got the Madonna, and they have what's called the Black Madonna with the child, which is a melanated woman and a melanated child, not a pale-skinned woman and child. And again, not dealing with racism, just dealing with the fact of what it is. That was the original image. And the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church still bows down before the Black Madonna what they call the Black Madonna. So that's because the Mary is Isis. I said to be more correct. And the father is 
Asar, Osiris. The sun is Horus or Heru. Matter of fact, the statue that you see of what they call the Madonna and Child, there's an exact replica of that that predates that in ancient Kemet of Isis holding baby Horus or Aset holding Heru as a child, as a baby. The exact same replica, the exact same position in which they, the child is held and the mother is, is seated. So that's one. And then two, when you get it under, when you get an understanding or comprehension or understanding or overstanding of what this is, you'll find that the f- first off, they say the Holy Ghost. First, a ghost is a spook. That's one. And then you say Holy Spirit, but yet in your Bible, it will tell you one, that God is a spirit and he who worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then they say in the Lord's prayer, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed is holy. So the father is represented as holy and being a spirit. So how could the father not be the Holy Spirit? That's that's a trick. So the father is spirit. Right? That's the first position. Oh, they call it patra. Petra, which is from which you get the word pattern. The spirit, the spiritual pattern or the blueprint by which matter is matter comes about. And mother or mater, mitter, is the substance or the matter. The spirit substance. Okay? Then you get the sun, which is the creation. That's the third position. The result of blending and uniting the spirit with the spiritual substance. Or, as we will speak about in chapter one, spirit, soul, the plane of spirit, the plane of soul. And the plane of things made manifest, right? And they say these three are one because the substance is an emanation from the spirit. So let's go to chapter one of the circle seven, which is the creation and fall of man. And where I'm going to go, I'm just going to do basically a touch on the first paragraph. It says time never was when man was not. If life of man at any time began, a time would come when it would end. The thoughts of Allah cannot be circumscribed. No finite man can comprehend things infinite. Again, no finite man can comprehend things infinite. All finite things are subject unto change. All finite things will cease to be because there was a time when they were not. The bodies and the souls of men are finite things and they will change yea from the finite point of view the time will come when they will be no more but man himself is not the body nor the soul he is a spirit and a part of Allah creative fate gave to man to spirit man a soul that he might function on the plane of soul gave him a body of flesh that he might function on the plane of things made manifest 
Why did creative fate give to spirit man a soul that he might function on the plane of soul? Why did creative fate give to soul a body of flesh that he might function on the plane of things that are manifest, that are made manifest? Okay? Stop right, I'll stop right there. So you clearly see that there's the spirit, there's the soul, and then there's the body. Father, mother, child, man, woman, child, father, mother, son, right? Again, you're dealing with three. There's the spiritual plane, the plane of plane of spirit, the plane of soul, and the plane of things made manifest. Those are three major planes, even though there are many multiple planes and subplanes within the planes. But I want you to focus on that to take it into relationship with that mother, with that father, mother, son. The reason why they took out the mother and replaced it with this concept of Holy Ghost is because they removed, they wanted to remove the divine feminine principle to enforce the patriarchal mindset. Remember, it wasn't until they got into um, Pentecostalism, right, that they started to go into, they, they removed the mention of the mother being holy, right? Again, that was European psychology to push a patriarchal mindset upon the believers, right? When in reality, you need the divine masculine and the divine feminine. You need man and woman to naturally produce a child. Once you remove either part, there cannot be any growth naturally. There cannot, the only thing something can happen in existence at that point is through an artificial intervention. That's what it is. Thus, you get your, you know, let's say, well, such person changed their gender, right? But they did it through artificial process. Now, this is not to argue against how a person feels inside or what they always thought they were. That's not, that's not what we're speaking about. We're speaking about the actual natural physical change of a person to look one way and to look another one. That's what we're talking about. To put it short, and put it plain, in order for you to have seen, to see Caitlyn Jenner as you see Caitlyn Jenner now, Bruce Jenner had to go under a surgical procedure to do that. That wasn't natural, um, transformation or evolution if you will to make that change Bruce Jenner never had uh, started having uh, started ovulating didn't start having menstrual cycles just all of a sudden and say okay I guess I'm not a man that doesn't that never happened so you see in the process that in nature you have to have the masculine and the feminine in things in harmony right again not to speak against anyone's ideology and their preferences that's on you we're just speaking strictly speaking in the terms of nature so there was a 
concentrated effort to remove the divine principle within this uh, newly formed religion. Now, that said, taking it back to the concept of what we spoke about before with the wisdom, will, and love, we'd have to go and get into the definition of wisdom, will, and love, right? So, wisdom, um, in one sense, is the result of accumulated experience. For example, after you've burned your hand in the fire once, you're too wise to repeat that again. Okay, so it says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, that it says to get wisdom, get understanding, forsake her not, and she will preserve thee. Love her, and she will keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Yea, with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote thee. She will bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. Right? So wisdom, and even in chapter 1 of the circle 7, it speaks about wisdom speaking from the highest plane of life, where it says, Here, now, oh, everything that is or was or evermore will be. For wisdom speaks from out the highest plane of spirit life. Right? So, one thing about wisdom is that wisdom is the result of knowledge of everything that is, was, and ever more to be, past, present, and future, right? When you have experienced something in the past, you have a knowledge of what's, how things will go. Therefore, you have knowledge of where we go in the present as well as in the future. People who are wise have a, have a knowledge based on experience, reason, and evidence of human nature, human behavior. You hear people with wise sayings. Um, you never miss your water, water till your well runs dry. Well, that how would you know that? There has to be a knowledge of past, present, and ex- future experience or or the way things happen. Law governs all events. Now, that saying of you never wish your water till your well one dries that you take things for granted while you have it, while it's in your presence. But when it's away, then, you know, you appreciate it more, basically, and you miss it. And then you, you know, you wish you had it. That's the, that's the, underlying point of that saying, wise saying, there's many wise sayings, but that's an example in order for that to be known and then that to be spoken universally to where anybody can say and say, yeah, you're right about that you know, you, you don't miss your water till you well run dry evidence of the past events had to prove that to be so and then you already know that that's the way it works, that's how people operate 
Okay, that's one being wise, but one who is not wise, they think that that is not applicable in their situation. It's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know a fool would would not take heed to the wisdom until they go through their own experience. Then they wise up. But there are those who will learn from wisdom from other people by just speaking the wisdom, hearing the wisdom that's being spoken. Okay. So that's wisdom. Then there's will. In metaphysics, will is that which governs the manifested universe in eternity. Will is the one and sole principle of abstract eternal motion. The will is the first of all powers. So will is likened to might because it said in chapter 10, you know, it also spoke about might, which is interchangeable with will. Okay. Strength. Okay. Keep that in mind. So also in chapter seven, it will tell you about how about force power and force right things understanding about for example if you go to chapter 7 it will tell you where it says that for example verse 14 and again Lamas asks what do you say of power and Jesus said it is a manifest is the result of force it is naught it is but naught it is illusion nothing more force changes not but power changes as the ether change force is the will of Allah and is omnipotent and power is that will and manifest directed by the breath I repeat that force is the will of Allah and is omnipotent and power is that will and manifest directed by the breath so when we speak about that will being that which governs the manifested universe in eternity right the will to do the will to bring about coming from the abstract and bringing it into manifestation then you realize that that will part of the triune which is omnipotent can be manifested in the form of power and that power is directed by the breath the holy breath okay that's why it's important in for those who study tai chi qigong and the likes that you're very mindful in how you channel the energy because that is exercising the will force to bring it about you know when you hear accounts of uh, a woman lifting up a car um, you know multiple times her body weight to get a child out she had the will to do that you talk about hearing the will to survive a person was said they only had three months to live but they had the will to survive and but then they ended up living years years later you know, near-death experience, the will, okay? That's force, something that is abstract beyond the manifested um, 
perception of reality and that which can't be explained, right? That which can't be measured, okay? So there's wisdom, will, and love. So when you get into love, of course, that love is that attraction in the universe, right? That attraction in the universe, that attracting principle that holds the universe together, okay? That's very understandable that you have to, and also intelligence is interchangeable with wisdom. We have to understand that as well. So when we get into these lessons, we realize what is understood. And we're going to get more into that. That needs to be um, understood. So understanding the triune is the key to understanding the actual mystery of the Holy Trinity. And we'll get more into that. Now, there are certain lessons that masterminds know, that the adepts know, and I'll share some of these with you. So, one thing is that in the nature of man, human beings, man cannot originate. He builds by patterns that he can see. And that's understanding. And remember, I, I, I referred to the father as the pattern, pata. Okay? Now, with that understood, patterns had to have been caught, had to be carved out. Particularly when you deal with this Jesus story, right? Because men love to follow, not to lead. So, a form, there was a formula that had to be created. You had to formulate the gnosis of the empire of the soul, which rests on seven. I'll repeat that. It was a must to formulate the gnosis of the empire of the soul, which rests on seven. You have the law of three and the law of seven. Now, when you deal with the triune law, and I'm going to go back to chapter 10, right? Um, matter of fact, even before I go to chapter 10, it's better that I go to chapter 11. Because in chapter 11, when you go into the record, it will say, just like in chapter 1, time never was when man was not. That which begins will have an end. If man was not, the time will come when he will not exist. That's how you know you've always been here in spirit. Then it goes on to say, from Allah's own record book, we read the triune Allah breathed forth and stood seven spirits before his face. The Hebrews call these seven spirits Elohim. And these are they who, in their boundless power, 
created everything that is or was. The spirits of the triune Allah moved on the face of boundless space and seven ethers were and every ether had its form of life. These forms of life were but the thought of Allah clothed in the substance of their ether planes. Men called these ether planes the planes of protoplast, of earth, of plant, of beast, of man, of angel, and cherubim. These planes, with all their teeming thoughts of Allah, are never seen by eyes of man and flesh. They are composed of substance far too fine for fleshly eyes to see, and still they constitute the soul of things. And with the eyes of soul, all creatures see these ether planes in all the forms of life. Because all forms of life on every plane are thoughts of Allah. All creatures think, and every creature is possessed of will, and in its measure has the power to choose. Okay? So I'll just stop there. Right? So when I say that it was a must to formulate the gnosis of the empire of soul which rests on seven the seven is talking about the seven ether those seven ethers those seven ether planes that operate within the three major planes because again the triune breathe forth the seven okay so and, and within each of the seven planes right and your body operates on a cycle of seven and we talked about that before within that you'll see manifestations of the three we're in a three-dimensional world right which is locked in by person places things where in a three dimension is a density level by which you judge everything by height width and length it's a density level associated with a vibration of consciousness I repeat a dimension is a density level associated with a vibration of consciousness and I just explained it in this third dimensional world you judge things the objects the places the persons places and things by height you measure them by height, width, and length. How tall is somebody? How big they are? You know what I'm saying? And the length. Okay? Among other things, color, smell, etc. The five senses, right? But as far as measurement of the space that they occupy, time and space in which they occupy, okay? That's, that's important. When you go beyond the third dimension, you start to measure things beyond height, width, and length. And then you call it abstract. Abstract thoughts. You can't describe it in words the same way you describe everything on the third dimension. There are scientists who say that the brain can operate 
in as many as 11 different dimensions. That's what scientists are saying. You feel what I'm saying? Modern day scientists are saying this. And we know that scientists are always a step behind um, those who are who are metaphysicians or into the realm of spirituality because spirituality is taboo to the average day scientist. That's something that they say they can't prove, you can't measure it, etc. So they solely discard it. But science catches up eventually. They eventually find new discoveries that confirm what people in spirituality have already said thousands if not millions of years ago okay so going back I'm bringing it back to what I was saying about the gnosis of the empire of the soul which rests on the seven and in turn there was a postulate formed and those postulates were to be the basis of creeds of men until the perfect age would come okay so there's rules that were set about you know text spiritual texts that would come you had the prophets you know you know ideologies religions came through and these uh these ways by which men would build up their character right through creed and religion etc okay until the perfect age will come where when you unite one with the omnipotent there's no need for all this so this is something that you have to realize so first is that all things are thought all life is thought activity the multitudes of beings are but phases of the one great thought made manifest right the one great thought so in this case thought is divine and divine is thought right as we mentioned in chapter one of the circle seven where it says man is a thought of Allah all thoughts of Allah are infinite they are not measured up by time for the things that are concerned with time begin and end the thoughts of Allah are the everlasting of the past unto the never ending days to come and so is man spirit man but man like every other thought of Allah was but a seed a seed that held within itself the potencies of Allah just as the seed of every plant of any plant of, of earth holds deep within itself the attributes of every part of that special plant. So spirit man as a seed of Allah held deep within himself the attributes of every part of Allah. Right? So that's where we're getting at as far as thought. Thought is the cause of it all. Okay? And then next, you realize this. Eternal thought is one. In essence, it is two. Intelligence and force. And when they breathe, a child is born. This child is love. So, intelligence and force, that's the same as wisdom and will. 
Intelligence and force is interchangeable with wisdom and will. So that's your triune. Wisdom, will, and love. Thus, the triune stands form who men call father, mother, son. So let me repeat that. Eternal thought is one. In essence, it is two. Intelligence and force. When they breathe, a child is born. This child is love. And thus, the triune stands forth whom men call father, mother, son. So, on the higher plane, in the spirit plane, where you have the force, these, these, uh, these aspects of principles of intelligence and force combining together to produce that attraction known as love. Remember I said love is the attracting principle that holds the universe together, right? When it gets down into the plane of manifest, the third major plane, carnal men call this father, mother, son. And then it got watered down even more to father, son, and holy ghost. <laughs> right? But this triune is one. But like the one of light, in essence, it is seven. When the tri- and when the triune breathes forth, seven spirits stand before his face. These are creative attributes. Right? That's what you call Elohim. In the Morse questionnaire, the question is asked, who is Elohim? And the answer is Elohim is the seven created spirits that created everything that ever was, is, and ever more to be. Created spirits, creative attributes. Now men call them lesser gods, or the gods with the smaller G, right? Small G gods. And in their image, they made man. That's that's very important to understand. These created spirits were called by mortal man lesser gods. You got the great god and then you got the lesser gods that do the work for the great god, right? You know, and then it came angels, demigods, etc., etc., right? But you're dealing with creative attributes. These creative attributes, these energies that exist, right, that operate within the cosmos, right, operate on a higher and a lower level, law of correspondence, as above, so below. So the very, you'll see seven work within this third dimension, the law of seven work within here, as well as you will see it work on, on the higher planes as well, okay? So... So I don't want to go too far into the seven, but just to let you know that that is very necessary to understand of how the law of seven and the law of three works. Okay. So we have a third dimensional lockdown that we're in, but one of the things is in this third dimension there are keys within the third dimension that will open you up to go beyond it and the ultimate is actually getting into the nine why do i say nine 
one nine is a symbol of birth or rebirth it's a symbol of completion before you can get to the nine you have to get to the seven seven is the number of perfection and they'll tell you that it's the number of god you know what i'm saying even the nation of gods and earths will tell you seven is god nine is born right before you get to born you have to get to god (laughs) something to think about right so and before you get to god you got to get to understanding which is three right knowledge wisdom understanding okay so why is nine important because nine is the highest number or i should say the highest numeral in mathematics there is no numeral higher than nine anything beyond that once you count past nine you're and you write it in you're just repeating one you know one through nine and you add the zero in there which they call a number but it doesn't count anything zero is nothing right it doesn't amount to anything but it's used in the concept of writing numbers but the highest numeral as far as an amount is nine so you get from three to nine the ultimate so even when the masons talk about 33 that's really three times three three times three which is nine okay so it's very interesting speaking about that going back into the mother because that's the divine feminine that was taken out of this whole equation which was the key to getting beyond this third dimension right because they say that the trinity is three and one and then you say in mathematics well that doesn't make sense three doesn't go into work one it's dealing with the principle it's not dealing with three physical people becoming one person because the person is the the persona the mass is dealing with the energies combining as one entity so let me get into this again the mother principle right they'll tell you that Mary is the mother right and there's a whole bunch of songs about Mary Mary don't you weep and all that the mother as you know Mary mother begins with the letter M M is the 13th letter in the alphabet okay to get to 13 right that produces the number 13 is also synonymous with the 1 and the 12 the 12 plus 1 as in the 12 disciples plus Jesus okay that 13th in existence now they'll tell you that Jesus is the mother's son right some will even say like in the Quran of Mecca they'll use the term Ibn Maryam they'll make it a note to say Isa Ibn Maryam Jesus son of Mary doesn't say son of God son of Allah they don't say Ibn Allah they say Isa Ibn Maryam even in Islam they make note to connect this prophet to the mother right 
And in more science, we talk about Mother Ruth. Mother Ruth is important because it was through Mother Ruth in the story in the Book of Ruth by which the connection was, there was a reconnection between the Moabites and the Israelites from which you get the line of prophets. And then from Ruth, you got David. Ruth is the ancestor of David. And then from David, you get in the story, Jesus, right? So all that connects with Ruth, who was a Moabitess. The question is asking Morris questionnaire, what was the nationality of Ruth? And the answer it says, Ruth was a Moabitess, okay? So Ruth played an important part in that concept. And these secret societies, particularly the Eastern stars, all acknowledge Ruth. If the Moabites weren't important, they wouldn't, they wouldn't mention Ruth. There's a whole book dedicated to a Moabitess in her name, not an Israelite. She married into the Israelites, but she, by birth, was a Moabitess. Okay, and that's something to keep in, in mind and that. So that also being said, taking it back to the mother, taking it back to that, and you get to the nine, right? The mother's son, you get as what? My son or Mason, right? Some would say, okay? The mother's son, some would even go into saying the widow's son which is also a term that also ties back to Solomon in the book of Solomon uh, dealing with Haram Abith okay and there's a whole we can do a whole episode on Haram Abith but I just want to focus on here what is what needs to be understood is interesting is that when you get into the Bible the reason why nine is important is because in the story of the crucifixion story, and we talked about this in our last episode about the rise of Christ consciousness, they mentioned three hours, three different hours. They mentioned a third hour, they mentioned a sixth hour, and they mentioned a ninth hour. Why is that? That has to be asked. Why did they mention a third hour, a sixth hour, and a ninth hour? Keep in mind, all those numbers are divisible by three. Again, getting back to the law of three. But in Mark chapter 15, verse 25, it says, Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. So they mentioned the third hour. What they're talking about is the third hour from what they would call sunrise, where the sun appears to have risen. Okay? We're saying appearing because it doesn't actually rise as we think about. Right? But that's another story. And then, when you get into the book of Luke... And you read chapter 23, verses 4 to 46. It says the following. It says, now it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. 
then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in the middle and when Jesus cried out with a loud voice he said father into your hands I commit my spirit having said this he breathed his last now let's stop there people are going to think when we or when we first taught this story we thought that there was a literal this was literal like somewhere in, around while he was on the cross in Calvary there was a temple somewhere and it was a veil on the temple and it was torn in the middle that's not what it was they're speaking about the veil dealing with the human being being torn right or that covering being torn between the physical and the spiritual this is where the transformation from human flesh to flesh divine takes place it has to be torn in the middle right and torn in the middle we spoke about Jacob's ladder being associated um, being placed up along your spinal spinal column the um, thoracic nerves right and of course we know about the kundalini energy you know the chakras the seven again the seven right and even when you deal with the kundalini energy raising up through the chakras there's three particular pathways what they call the nadis one that intertwine with each other and one that goes straight up what they call nadis or rivers or tubes that's a Sanskrit word right so straight down the middle okay and when Jesus had cried out a loud voice he said father into your hands I commit my spirit now the commit meaning he's joining now this ties directly in with chapter 1 again because if we read the very last paragraph in chapter 1 it says man cannot die the spirit man is one with Allah and while Allah lives man cannot die when man has conquered every foe upon the plane of soul the seed will have full opened out will have unfolded in the holy breath the garb of soul will then have served its purpose well and man will need it never more and it will pass and be no more and man will then attain unto the blessedness of perfectness and at one with Allah so that whole passage that you t- we spoke about in Luke where it talks about the temple being torn in the middle and Jesus crying and saying father into my hands into your hands I commit my spirit is basically explained in the last paragraph in chapter 1 it is breathing the breath it is basically unfolding into the holy breath the garb of soul serving its purpose not needing it anymore and then becoming one with Allah 
That's it. Man has conquered every foe upon the plane of soul. The sea will have fall, um, fall open out, right? Now, if you go into the book of John, you'll find where it says, and I'll read the passage for you. John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. After this, Jesus, knowing all, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now, a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and bowing his head, he delivered up his spirit. Now, in the Morris Questionnaire, the statement is made, the question is asked, what were the last words Jesus uttered? The answer to that is, it is finished. Question after that is, what did he have reference to? And the answer to that is, he had reference to the end of Satan. Now, are we to believe that when we're talking about Satan, that we're talking about a character? Someone with horns and a tail and pitchfork looking like the character, the picture on the hot sauce bottle? No. We're talking about the lower self. That's what was the end. Again, that whole aspect that I mentioned before about the ninth hour is the conquering of the carnal self going beyond the third dimension and it even says remember Satan and how first off before I even go what Satan means in the Morse questionnaire again the question is asked what did the higher self say to the lower self at one time when he met him the answer to that is Where are you going, Satan? So Satan is a name attributed to the lower self. And the word Satan literally means adversary or foe. But what did it say in the passage I just read in chapter one? It says, when man has conquered every foe upon the plane of soul, the seed will have full open out, will have unfolded in the holy breath. So that foe is that Satan, right? It says early in the chapter one that without a foe, a soldier never knows his strength and thought must be developed by the exercise of strength. And so this carnal nature soon became a foe that man must fight that he might be the strength of a law made manifest. So we have to understand these things and that is getting back to the spirit of the Trinity.